You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring just some fundamental principles about this thing called leadership development. And uh, I, for one, am a champion of that. I've been a student of leadership study my really my whole career. Had some great opportunities as a young man in uh, my, my school days and then uh, in uh, early commission as a military officer and carrying it on with me in business. My guest has a similar story. His name is Mark Ashby. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Doug. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. You, you, you might detect a slightly different accent, at least in uh, in contrast of his versus mine. Uh, Mark, tell everybody where you're calling from. Yeah, I'm calling in from uh, Sydney in Australia this morning. Uh, nice, nice uh, rainy day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, we sure appreciate you um, making the time jump difference with us and and joining in. Um, Mark, uh, tell everybody a little bit about your background and, and kind of the journey you were on to get to where you are. Uh, by the way, I, I, I should say, and I'll let Mark elaborate on this, but he too is an executive coach and a, were, uh, uh, an advisor for businesses wanting to make changes with culture and framework for leadership. So uh, Mark, tell us your journey. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, look, I... Grew up in Sydney my whole life. Uh, I grew up in a real beach culture, um, so I was essentially a surfer by the time I was sort of five years of age. You know, my my father was a good surfer, so it was just that natural you know, progression for me. And it's it's a real, I suppose, way of life here. And uh, but I always felt I always had a bit of a fascination with the military, funnily enough, and it's something I always loved. And so in my sort of twenties, mid twenties, I I had a bit of a uh, if you don't want to call it a brain snap or a, a bit of a a direction you know change of life and then i had something i'd always wanted to said to, to take on so i i had that dream of joining the, the military especially the, the specialized units which i loved and i i took that plunge um and i got myself and end up finding myself in the uh one of our airborne units a, a, a sort of like an elite paratrooper unit in australia and um did a couple of tours of uh, east timor with, with that unit which was fantastic and then of course with, with the Twin Towers coming down in New York, which is a you know a massive day, I suppose, that changed not just the States, but it changed around the world. And it really affected us as well. And, uh, yeah, I I was, like, my, like a lot of the, the guys, we were very keen to to get over into the Middle East. Um, it's, it's the old story, isn't it? It's like a, a football team. You don't want to be on the, on the bench. You want to be over there. You want to be playing the game. You want to be part of it. And I had an opportunity to go to the Middle East as a private, contractor in 2004 um which i took that chance not really knowing what i was getting myself into and uh i think it was a a huge shock to all of us you know going over there just to how how bad it was how full-on it was you know that it was a, a proper war zone and we're very fortunate to be attached to um to, to to your military to the to the uh u.s army and uh to the green berets and a couple of rotations and even doing a little bit of work with the state department there which was fantastic amazing opportunities and i um even though it was a super dangerous you know p position and re very dangerous job i actually really enjoyed my time it was like working at the real pinnacle of what i wanted to do in life um very successful over there 
Uh, ended up doing my last four years at the Australian Embassy in, in Baghdad, looking after our, our um, ambassador there, uh, female ambassador, which was a, an amazing job. And uh, yeah, then returned home in 2016 and um, did the start of the process of, of sort of looking at starting my own business on um, the corporate world. I was working for a friend of mine in corporate, doing sort, of, sort of risk consultancy and, and leadership and mentoring of execs, uh, a lot of media work there as well, uh, media corporate, and uh, went back to university and did my, my master's degree at 48 years of age, which was pretty terrifying. Um, <laughs> but re- really great opportunity, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then started my business a few years ago now, and like we said, uh, like a consulting business and um, and just dealing in that that leadership sphere and, and mentoring um, either, either single execs or individuals or, or in that sort of team environment, that sort of middle management environment, which I, I, I thoroughly enjoy. I, I love doing it. Well, I, I will say, as many do, thank you for your service doing that. And um, uh, it is interesting to think about going back to the graduate school at that age. And I, I certainly know a number who have done that. Uh, but congratulations on that move as well. You know, um, I want to start, I guess, with a theme that it actually came up in a show I recorded yesterday. I was talking with one of my guests and I'll, I'll tell the story again, and it will be a repeat if we end up producing those or releasing them back to back. But um, when I first started seriously thinking about uh, beginning my coaching business, I was talking to a really good friend of mine who himself is a very accomplished private CEO. He is one of these guys that gets tapped by venture capital and private equity companies to come in and be the head of a venture that they might buy. And uh, he, he did that six or eight times and great success every time. And just a really powerful, thoughtful leader, um, great student of leadership. I was telling him what I wanted to do. I said, I want to be a leadership coach. And he said, well, that's a great idea. The world needs it, but I'll advise you, you can't sell that. And I said, what do you mean? He said, "You your sales proposition cannot be about teaching leadership nobody gets that. I said, what do you mean? That, that can't be true. And he said, no, he said, it's my humble opinion that there are only 5% of the CEOs on the entire planet that really believe and understand in the core meaning of leadership. And he said, everybody else dabbles around it or even ignores it or doesn't think about it because they've been elevated up through the ranks and they've evolved into the positions they're in, but they seldom attack the duty with the mindset of being a better leader. So ergo, you can't sell leadership. You're going to have to sell something else, but still deliver leadership development. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, if I'll, so I'll stop there and, I, and I'll ask, I'll get your take on that for one. And then I've, I've got another follow-up piece, but what what's been your experience as you've gone out and and tried to do that for people? Yeah, I think it's a great point, Doug, and I totally agree with what you're saying in in the in that I suppose concept of of many, and we'll call them you know very senior people in in, in corporate or you know business government whatever it's going to be in the professional sector that I suppose truly believe they don't need any further education or further improvement or readjustment because they're at the actual the apex of their professional life and they I think a lot of them have the attitude I I am a leader I don't need to be helped or advised or told what to do um, 
and you are right. It's about, I suppose, understanding where that where they're at and and really flipping that um, that whole paradigm on their head and making them understand that they do need that bit of a uh, you know a bit of a nudge or, or a bit of a, like I said a bit of a, a bit of a shift. So, I mean, the ones that do understand it, of course, that's very easy because they're they're in that real great mindset. Um, and and but it's not the majority. I think it's getting better, and I think that the pressure of society now and, and the last few years of this pandemic has sent a real flip in that that whole business concept and um, where it's going in the future and the, the different generations coming through now. That pressure of what they expect and their education and um, and I don't I don't mean education in schools. I mean they're, they're educated in the business world now. They really understand what they want and what they can achieve, and that's a I think a lot of pressure on leaders now. But yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. That's a funny one. Well, uh, the guest yesterday, she and I had an interesting discussion about it. She said, thankfully, she agrees. She thinks that the basic mindset is broadening and, and getting deeper and more open to the idea of it. But she could understand uh, why my friend made the statement he did. And, um, you, you know, I added that one of the reasons I after he challenged me with that, I got to thinking about it. it. It makes some practical sense because the modern business world has a fundamental tradition of looking out in an organization. They need a frontline supervisor. So what do we do? We pick the best producer. The We pick the smartest employee, the, the one that's maybe our, our head salesperson, our head transaction processor, whatever that role is as an individual contributor, we pick the best of the best and make them supervise. You know, poof, you're now a manager. And some companies do better than others at training for that transition. But in a lot of cases, there is no training. You're just put in the role and given the blessing to move forward. So you, the person struggles to figure it out. If they have some success, what happens? They get promoted again. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're on the management train and two or three more promotions, all of a sudden they're a director or a VP or something like that. And there's this unconscious bias of saying, well, what got me here can probably get me there. So I'll just keep doing more of that. And Marshall Goldsmith, you know, in one of his books a few years ago, challenged us with that idea. What got you here won't get you there. And kind of accentuated the need for leadership development to take that next level. Yeah, it's it's a, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's unlike, I suppose, that the military where, you know, you get asked, chosen for a promotion based on maybe your skill set or your attitude or a bit of both. But then you've got to then go and do that promotion course, you know, whether, you know, like in Australia, they call them subject courses or so you'll go and do your, your six-week course and that determines if you are ready to be that next, that next, uh, you know, reef that next promotional right. level. Right. And even in the private sector, when I was um, when I was contracting, we even had courses in the private sector. The same thing. We actually had like military style courses in there to determine if you were ready for that step up, because the pressure was so immense and so great, and and so much responsibility to to get it right. Um, and if you're, you know, we we have a term that we call them in our game. We call them bluffers. And the bluffers are just like you basically said, the ones that get promoted and they, they're, they're super intelligent and they're bright, but 
they can bluff their way through because they've got that, that great ability to, to adapt and personality and, right. and they are smart, but but are they actually ready to do it? Um, or do they do they 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 you know somehow pull it off? Some can, some can't. And uh it's yeah, it, it really is interesting, isn't it? Well, and, and to your point, you know, U.S. military has that same thing. We, we've got the uh, Command and General Staff College, which when you get to be a very senior military officer, regardless of service, uh, you, you go to this Command and General Staff, and they call it a college for a reason. I mean, it's, it's another level of instruction about thinking bigger, thinking strategically, leveraging talent, leveraging managers below you because you're now – a very senior manager and you need to be of that executive leadership mindset. And there's more training on how to develop leaders below you, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you, you make a great point, Mark, that, you know, there are systems that have that recognized as a need for, for solid leadership advancement. Yeah. It's, um, I think that things are slowly changing. Um, you know, I've seen a bit of a bit of change in that sphere where the, a lot of big organisations now are, are really promoting that the education with leadership um, and really, I suppose, understanding where, where you're at and looking at the correct platforms inside of the business to actually, you know, promote the, the right people. Um, you know, their own little, I suppose, talent sort of understanding side of the business. And where years ago, I don't think that really existed. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really, um, you hope it's a positive sort of shift moving forward. And I think after the pandemic, I think things have been elevated um, that we probably didn't see before, or we didn't really recognise before. And uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if that keeps progressing moving forward, you know, with many, many people now that I've seen myself and in, in the industry that, um, unlike years ago, people were, get into a role they'd be happy with it they'd be in concrete in that role and stay there for years sometimes they've been the same firm for 10 20 30 years where now a lot of these you know younger kids coming in i call them kids they're they're not afraid to ask questions they're not afraid to leave anymore if they aren't happy with their conditions and their, their perks um they, they will leave and i've seen a real trend lately i've been speaking to a few execs and board members about it where these these younger kids coming through now they're they're leaving in teams not just individually like you know in the past a person would leave a role for another role now they're actually being headhunted and they're leaving in groups of 10 and 15 together yeah which is leaving that firm in a gigantic <clears throat> hole like it's it's terrifying them yeah a lot of my clients in in the bigger companies are expressing that same concern that the there's a there's a very distinct and empowered mindset mindset from the employees at large about uh, well at the core of it is the idea of if you dare had a culture of command and control style management which is traditionally a little heavier handed no, not much collaboration just very directed instruction people are just balking at that they're saying I don't want to work there I don't want to work at a place like that and so some of the so-called old school leaders and those who were conditioned that way are really being hit with a, a new reality. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really noticeable. I think just in society in general, it's a, it's a real change there. I don't know whether 
social media and technology has really enhanced that. Uh, I think it has to have a big a big part of that now where people let get on platforms now, they all talk, they all, you know, understand through each other's networking what is going on and, and how to get around things and what, I suppose, what, what you can put up with anymore. And it's like when I was, I suppose, younger and, you know, growing up in the 80s and, and that time frame, you know, you worked and you, sure, you may have got a hard time, but you, you were, I suppose, excited to have a job. You're so excited that, oh, wow, well, I've been taken on for this role and you gave it your your most because that's what your parents did, that's what your father advised. Um, where, and even in the military, I think the military was a bit different as well then, where now things are, they're different. You know, they're, they're not afraid, these younger kids, to really speak up and say, I refuse to do that. Um, I don't know whether it's a positive or a negative. I, I don't know yet, and maybe none of us will know for the next 20 years if that's worked out or worked out okay. <laughs> Yeah, when I talk to people about this, I, I'm reminded of um, uh, the first civilian opportunity I was given when I got out of the military was, was to go to work for a bank, and I had gone through the interview rounds. They had sent me the offer letter, and one of the very senior execs I'd interviewed with was ex-military, and he told me, he said, hey, in this process, if you ever have a question, call me, and don't make any final decisions if you're you know, if that you do have a question, uh, happy, I'll be happy to help. So long story short, uh, I got the offer letter and I thought about it a while and I was a little concerned. It felt light. I thought, eh, maybe I could ask for a little more because coming out of the military, I'd had some leadership responsibilities and some big yeah. asset value, uh, duties. And so I had done a few things more so than the average 28 year old would have. And, uh, called him and said, uh, I'm a little worried about this offer. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, Doug, he said, these were his exact words. He said, I'm going to ask you to trust us and come give us your first pound of flesh and let us get to know who you really are. And I promise you, you're going to be handsomely rewarded for that. So it's a little bit longer game than what you're asking me. And I, I thought about those words and I've thought about them many years afterwards if you if I told a candidate today, give me a pound of flesh, they're not doing that. <laughs> well, they might not even know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's just that, and it's just that work ethic, um, isn't it? That, that I suppose the different generations maybe have, and it was, you know, you, you grow up in that in that arena where you're just expected to, um, you know, to really, you know, put, put your your head down and, and work and do your best and I suppose achieve what you know absolutely most of what you can that's that bit of pride that comes with it um yeah it's it's uh like I said it's going to be very very interesting and um a real a real shift in in uh, different generations I suppose isn't it and that's just life well and and that leads us to another point uh, in a lot of these companies that I've had an opportunity to deal with over the last few years e even pre-pandemic and and now post-pandemic, uh, there there was already a a mindful recognition that culture was changing. And one big company that I worked with embarked on a on an earnest effort to change their culture because they had a hundred year legacy of operating a certain way. And the chairman said to the leadership team. I don't think we can keep doing this for the next 20 and 25 years and attract the talent we need that's now coming out of school and because they think differently. And our culture is going to have to change to embrace them and 
bring them on. So they embarked on a, on a very deep dive into culture change and mindset shift among management. Uh, have, have you seen some of that with the clients you're dealing with? Yeah, it's, it's not across the board. And like you said, it's slowly coming on. Uh, I think it's fantastic when you get an organization in some ways that really want to adapt because we all have to adapt in life. You know, I had to adapt and I went back to university at my age. You you, you either adapt or you, you fall off the off the boat and that's it. And the boat sails away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so I've really found that, and, and it's really exciting for me when I do have an organization that really is on board with it and, they, and this is what they want to do because it makes my life easy, of course, and you really get to then weave your magic and do what you're good at and really immerse yourself and essentially, you know, get the, get the best out of those individuals, you know, that really just elevate them. You're not there to make them rock stars. You're just there to make them a, a better version of what they actually are now. And right. uh, a lot of it is with that culture, of course. And I know this culture word gets thrown around a lot, but at the end of the day, for me, it's just about, and I say this to a lot of um, leaders, you know, I'll get that exact one-on-one and I'll say, do you want your people coming to work on a Monday morning and they're loving what they do? They actually love coming to your their place of work and they really have a great time here and they're not thinking about the rest of the week so much. They're, they're going about their job and they're rewarded and it's fulfilling. Or do you want them coming here Monday morning and all they're thinking about is Friday afternoon? I said, which one do you want? Because that's the reality. And I say it to a lot of them, I give them the hard truth and I think, with our backgrounds, Doug, that military background, we're a bit more honest with them. We're not as scared to go in that office and actually say, hey, you've either got a problem here um, and, and and this is the reason why you've got a problem. This is the reason why you've got you know a really big turnover of staff. Um, you've got key individuals that are leaving. And sometimes the the answer is it's, it's front and centre. It's right in front of them. And they either, one, don't want to see it or they refuse to see it. And... It's um, it's it's something that's it's it's crucial to the survival of your business because especially if you've now got the situation where people are leaving in numbers, um, you could potentially be losing you know millions, you know per day in a giant firm, you know with that and that business continuity it just goes out the door. So yeah. it's um, it's yeah. got to be that real adaptive mindset moving forward. Yeah. Uh, to your point, I, I find it interesting. Uh, I frequently, when I do finally onboard with a client and we get kind of in the early stages of the work, I will ask them specifically to, to share with me why they thought they wanted to pick me as their coach or their advisor. And probably the prevailing answer I get is the fact that they respect the military background and they believe they need a military mindset, military discipline about the way they're going at things because up to that point, they feel a little disjointed and a little scattered and a little overwhelmed by what's going on in, in their mind, especially if, they're, if they've never themselves had a military experience they somehow correlate the little more precision, a little more discipline, a little more direction out of the military framework. And on one hand, I don't know about you, but I would go so far as to say, I'll, I'll be real transparent with everybody listening. I, I find that a little interesting because, you know, the military wasn't exactly a perfect organization either. <laughs> uh, no, no, it has its own, uh, its own flaws, doesn't it? Absolutely. It, it's definitely different, but, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't the ultimate solution. And, and again, like all corporate 
um, it really depended who the commander was as to how well you felt about your unit that you were a part of. Yeah, and that's a great point. Um, you know, I'm sure that you and I both have worked for some pretty ordinary leaders and some outstanding ones. But the outstanding ones, um, for me, in the military and, and in those circles, you remember them forever. You remember the bad ones, of course, but you, you really revere the great ones. And and I had some fantastic leaders, both Australian and US leaders I worked with. I worked under a couple of your, your two-star generals uh, over in the Middle East and just amazing individuals. Just, just down to earth, great common sense, and very simplistic in their approach. Uh, you know, that I love that whole methodology of, of turning complex into simple. And I think that's a great thing that, that you know, people like you and I, Doug, can take into the corporate world is that real approach of, of making a complex situation and really reducing it to something simple that everyone understands and everyone can follow. And I think that's that, that great military mindset. Um, and it's like, a, like I said, those little precision moments and, just the smallest details like, like being on time and being presentable that, that can really go a long way. Absolutely. Um, and just those, just those good manners and being honest with people and that can really, like I said, go a long way in, in business. And um, yeah, and I, I, I get the same. Um, there's a lot of people that will will take you on. I think they're either terrified of that somebody from the ex-military coming in or they embrace it. But I think once they get to know you and they realise you're not a robot, you're there to help them, and stand by them no matter what to literally hold their hand through the process and, and and be honest with them because a lot of the time the, the problem too may be a personal problem it may not be a problem within the business it could be something that coming from from home you know going through a, right. a, a divorce a divorce a custody <clears throat> battle with children and that's of course a direct reflection of, of you know of the business and what's going on and they're taking it out on their staff or they're, they're, they're letting their business mindset wane and it's about you really resetting them and really make them understand what they have in front of them, you know, how hard they've worked to actually achieve where they are and, and help them to really understand that it's a great process. It is. It really is. And I'll tell you what, on that note, Mark, we're going to take a short commercial break. And uh, folks, when we come back, we're going to dive a little more into maybe some nuts and bolts about what a leadership development program can look like. And um, we'll explore that when we come back. Hang with us. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. DougThorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and I'm talking with Mark Ashby, and we've been uh, talking about the general topic of leadership development. I think we did a pretty good job in the first half of sort of dispelling any mystery of what that might be and how it applies in the modern business world. But as I said before the break, I'd, I'd like to lean in a little bit and, and maybe talk more specifically about what a leadership development program can look like if you've never had one, never been a part of one, or never um, explored what that might be. So, Mark, give us a kind of a flyover of the framework you might like to use when, when you engage with a new company. Yeah, if I'm if I'm going into a 
organization, Doug, and it's uh, with an individual, maybe like a, um, a, a senior exec, a board member or above, it's going to be that one-on-one, I suppose. It's more like a mentoring thing with me where I'm going to be by that, by that person's side, generally either for three months or, or six months. Um, it can be tailored either way, but it's not going to be for four weeks. I'm wasting their time and they're wasting mine because to really get the best out of themselves, it's a bit of a journey. If someone's at that level and they're in a bit of a um, a bit of a meltdown, I suppose you want to call it, um, you've really got to take that time with them to really um, get them back to the, that best version of themselves. And that's how I do that individual, I suppose, version of that. With that team environment, um, if it's that middle management of a large organisation, they want me to go through their, their whole staff. So they've got a staff of, of 200 and they're like okay mark over the next six months or the next year we want you to take all of our our staff now uh, through that your, your leadership program my, my program is very systemized um i've got quite a, a large you know sort of lesson format that um runs over different modules and it really starts from everything i've learned you know through all my years all my years overseas on the job um, in the military and, and the private contracting world and it really goes from that that individual to team up to that sort of exec level and it's it's really based on like i said everything that i've learned and it's about them understanding how we ran our teams and how we had that real i suppose emphasis on the on the individual and how that really affects the collective and then the, the importance of of the the collective team with the individuals it's like that cog on a wheel and if you're having if, if one of the cogs is broken the engine that you're you're performing in that business isn't going to work as effectively and it's about really understanding that um i've, I've got a, a methodology it's called a diamond methodology that, that that i designed and it's a methodology based on removing the emotion out of you know crucial decisions um to actually arrive at that that sort of point of a, a correct decision it's like it's like can be anything that we do in life we 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 i suppose the emphasis of life is we make a lot of decisions based on emotion and if you can remove emotion sometimes you're going to get a clearer decision um there's a, a great example of that where we had a uh a, a leader in one of the businesses that was um a, a cfo was leaving this firm and he was quite a toxic individual when this person left that organization straight away the emphasis was really on on this 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 chap was like it's a, such a great uh, sort of feeling within the business i asked everybody are you really happy this person's gone how do you feel about it and they were like yeah it's outstanding that this this uh this chap's gone now we can move on it's like a weight off our shoulders and i was like but what but what's the flip side of that what's the flip side of that person leaving you know that this person looked after all the the tenders there the contracts and he left a gigantic void in the business and took all those contacts with him so I, and that's what i was saying to them it's a great example of where you've got to look at the negative and positive concepts of of that individual leaving and that's how we run our teams dug overseas we took emotion out of our decision making process on the job so that we could all get home safely because we we couldn't just base things on emotion and i think quite often in, in business um i'll see a lot of leaders do that they'll, they'll really jump to a quick decision they'll maybe employ um a, a friend of theirs uh or somebody from the outside rather than looking at the actual people right in front of them they've got this amazing workforce or this amazing you know crew of people there and uh yeah that, that's uh 
a real big part of, I suppose, my methodology is, is that Darwin methodology, that, that taking emotion out. Yeah, I, I like that approach because you're 100% correct, and, and, and at least it's all lines up with my own experience. Uh, the, the, the more emotion we pack into a decision, inevitably we're going to get really skewed off in, an, in a, uh, a tangent that is, is not going to be the best choice. And, um, you know, along the way we've touched on, but we haven't said it specifically yet. I, I like the idea of one of the key roles of being a leader is to provide clarity make make the we we touched on it when we were talking about the military leaders that kind of break complex things down into simple directives and simple instruction and and that's all about clarity and i was introduced to the phrase a long time ago and i love it uh, a confused mind says no and uh <clears throat> i think i've that's certainly been my experience leading work teams if I have overcomplicated a, a directive or a set of instructions, you know, I'll, I'll go in the next day or the next week and it doesn't seem like anything's happening and I'll get frustrated. You know, well, why aren't you guys moving on this? Why aren't you guys working it? And, you know, the truth is they weren't clear on what I was asking them to do. And so they didn't do much of anything. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's not that they were bad, uh, but, um, I've come to the place of saying to leaders, if you've done a reasonably good job of hiring your team, they want to do the right thing. Nobody wants to show up and be average. Nobody wants to show up and do the wrong thing. And if you haven't clarified what the right thing is, they are going to do nothing <laughs> <laughs> because they're afraid of doing the wrong thing. So they yeah. do nothing. Yeah. That's a better choice in their mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've really got to give them the opportunity to actually do exactly what you've said. You give them the best opportunity, the best chance to be the best in their role, um, to be that, that supportive person. And something I say to a lot of leaders when I, when I do that mentoring with them, I say, say to them, how often do you get out there and, and talk to your staff? And I mean really go out there and actually embrace them and understand them and walk the floor and have lunch with them and get to know them. Um, and some of them are fantastic at it, and you can tell they're really respecting the business. But other ones, you'll talk to the staff when I'm running my my coaching, you know, classes, and they're like, "Oh no, we, we never see the boss. We never see the bosses um, at maybe the Christmas party." And it's like to me, that's just not good enough. I mean, I worked with a uh, one of your, I said, two star general overseas, and he, he was one of the commanders in Iraq at the time, and he used to come and knock on my door for for a coffee and stuff. I mean. It was just to, to have a chat about how things were going and how, how we, were, we were going to, you know, look, looking forward, whether it was intelligence or whatever it was. And it was just um, it was just an amazing individual. And, you know, I've worked with a few of our, our leaders as well in Australia. Um, when I was at the embassy, a couple of our prime ministers, you know, the, the, the number one person in our country that's running our country and the difference in those individuals too. I won't go into their names, of course, but the difference in them was staggering. You know, I had one that was... He's a sit in on my my orders. You know, we had our mission orders and he would sit in on our mission orders so he could listen to what we were doing. And this was the leader of our country. To me, that's inspirational stuff. Yeah. And 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 you you remember that. Oh yeah. And and I agree with you. And that was one of the things that I, I did take away from the army. I mean, you know, in um 
you know, in, in most army structures, there's two tiers of leadership. You got the officers and then you got the so-called non-commissioned officers. And the, those are the sergeants, the ranking sergeants. And, you know, they, those guys do most of that real heavy lifting when it, you know, truth be told. And so the role of the officer is to give those guys directions so that they then can do um, the details. And, one of the early experiences I had in the military was, you know, at the end of the day, we used to have these just sit downs. We, we might, you know, go get a beer or have a soda or something, you know, at the end of the day, but it was usually about a, at least a 30 minute, if not an hour more download, just, just being a, a group of guys, you know, nobody was exercising rank or privilege or anything, but we were just talking about what was going on and, it would all get interwoven with family stories and other experiences and, and, and then facts of the day. And, and, uh, you know, it, it just gave you that insight. And, and I think for them, it, it helped break through the veil of whatever mystique it was to be an officer. And it, if you just showed up to be a regular guy and, you know, talk with them and there was a lot more trust that would get built and then when you got really challenged by a, a mission critical event, there was no questioning authority. It was, it was, yes, sir. What do you need? You know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm here. What do you, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Yeah. The good, the good leaders, um, you, you're literally right, run into a, a building for them because, because they've asked you and they've got such that such, you've got such respect for them um that you really believe in, in what you're doing and that's the difference and it's good that you, you mentioned on about how you have your sit downs with, with the leaders and you know after every mission in the middle east or every, every sort of crucial mission you know we would have a a debrief for every every single mission of course we'd sit down and, and exactly right we'd all discuss what went right what went wrong there was, you know nothing was off the table you could talk about anything um as long as it was constructive and it really developed us as that group because we were living in each other's pockets for all those years and we had to be elite every day we had to be at that level every day because it was so dangerous and the real possibility of, of you losing someone's life every day was there front and center to us it was kind of like being on a an elite sports team every single day it was uh it was truly incredible to see those individuals operate at that, that super high level every single day and my job was really just to steer that ship you know i did micromanage the the guys and then later on we had some of the girls come into that into that role um I, I allowed them to be to to do what they did well and it was uh it was actually amazing to be part of to watch it develop over the years to become this real a real elite sort of unit and um and nobody nobody wanted to leave that organization those teams you know we, we had the same individuals for years and years they dug because they loved what they did and that they loved the direction it was taking, and and it was a, uh, you know, it was a part of history, and it'll probably never happen ever again. It's yeah. uh, it's something that's yeah. just uh, that took place, and it's now done. Yeah. Well, and at the core of that, there's another key word that always comes to my mind, and and I've I've had a number of guests on my show talk about it. The key word is alignment. When you as a leader, when you can think about the, the vision and the mission that you're responsible for and then get alignment with your people 
to number one, see that vision, understand that vision, but number two, get an alignment of skills and abilities across the team because all your people don't show up with the same set of skills and experiences. But as a leader, if you're really dialed in, you're going to assess and learn who's got what skill, who's got what interest, who's got what ability, and you're going to do the best you can to line up to maximize that. And whether it's, uh, I'm thinking of a business scenario now, if, if you've got some, you know, if you've got a need for bookkeeping and billing, well, if, if you've got a person at that desk that hates details, that's not a good alignment. But if you've got someone that just lives to swim in the details, that's who you want at that desk. Yeah. And, and yeah. they get energized by that. They get excited by that. They love being able to tick and tie everything and line it up and balance it out, check it off. And boy, that's the person you want at that desk. Oh yeah. And, and I think, like I said before, we touched on it earlier, you know, quite often you have these magic people around you. We, we had a, um, a situation where I was working with one of the big TV networks in Australia and, uh, they they were having a um a, a real issue there in, in their production team and the, the cut a long story short they had this uh a lady working there and she was very quiet you know in every and I'm sure you said in your leadership you know courses that you run in every sort of group generally I do run about between ten and fifteen people generally at a time is sort of my preferred sort of size and in every group you're going to have your few alpha individuals in that group. You're going to have your big main cohort of all the, the workers that all know each other. They all joke around a bit. Then you're going to have that always a couple of quiet people, the ones that don't want to speak out. They don't want to speak out in meetings. Um, when you go around the room for opinions, they, they sit there hoping you won't point them out. So what I do with them is I'll, I'll get them in the, the, the coffee room. I'll, I'll follow them <laughs> and I'll, I'll hunt them down and get them one-on-one -on -one and say, how are you going? How are you, how are you enjoying it? And find out about who they are. And this this uh, girl we had there, um, she was so bright and she was so good at what she did. And I and I went to the the, the senior manager that I was dealing with, and just said, "Do you, do you realise what a gem you've got with this girl here? She's just very quiet and shy, but she is so good at what she does. And you've got to give her a chance." And she she actually turned out to be amazing. And you know, she's still there, and she's now quite senior in that role there now. But uh, I love those success stories when you find those little diamonds. It's uh, it's really fulfilling. I had a similar experience with, uh, I was doing some work a couple of years ago. This was pre-COVID with a, a leadership team out at one of the big oil companies. And we had done a team assessment exercise. It was a, everybody on the team filled out this survey. And then we plotted the um, alignment ideas. <clears throat> and when the findings came back, this was like a 14 person team. When the um, findings came back, they were pretty clustered on most of the topics, but there was always one dot on the chart that was way out of skew. It was, it was just, you know, on a 180 quadrant or, or, you know, opposite polar position. And so we got into the team meeting to debrief on that and do some work about that. And of course, in my mind as the coach, I wanted to kind of dig into that one exception to see if we can figure out how to bring them into a little better alignment. Cause otherwise the team was very much, you know, lockstep with each other. 
Well, to your point, I, it was pretty easy to figure out just watching the group in the first 20 minutes who that person was. <clears throat> and then um, we did some other work first, then we got into the report. And fortunately, the the personality distribution was pretty good. And we started thumbing to those pages and that person self-identified. He said, I know what my dot is. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, you know, he started, uh, but he opened the door for the discussion and kind of to your point, it turned out he was one of the deeper, more brilliant thinkers on that team for what they needed to be doing. But he was a little awkward socially. He, he was one of those unfortunate guys that probably in grade school, he was, picked on and made fun of and, you know, all of that, but he was brilliant. And I mean, just absolutely stellar thinker in this subject area where they were. And I was successful in getting the team to have a much deeper appreciation for the value that guy could bring to the team and for them to be less inclined to quickly dismiss him when he would stand up and start talking <clears throat> and um, they actually, that day, they made a covenant to to do a better job of, of pro rata, equally sharing ideas and conversation around the table. And they admitted they had had a history of dismissing him too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, um, months later, I checked with the team leader and he said, yeah, he said, this stuff is working out great. He said, we got so-and-so plugged into our decision-making and we we've done so much better since we did that. <laughs> it's just enhancing that, that person's individual brilliance, isn't it? Everybody's got something they're good at. Um, some of us are a bit more confident in, in that arena of talking to people and others aren't there that they're, they're terrified of, of talking in public. And I'm working with another lady at the moment. She's terrified. She's a, just did a lot of um, sort of keynotes and, and uh, master classes and, and uh, she's quite senior, does a lot of international travel, and she's just terrified of, of of talking to crowds. And it's the most terrifying thing for most people in life, I think, coming from the military where I suppose we're, we're wired a little bit differently to sort of not worry about people's backgrounds so much and who they are. Um, but, yeah, it's a real, it's a real uh, incredible thing to sort of watch, you know. Um, but it's about... Yeah, it's about giving people opportunity, giving them that, that scope to actually improve and giving them the opportunity, like giving them the chance to actually shine. And unless you, you know, some organisations, especially what you were doing maybe on the oil rigs, you're going to get some pretty rough and tough customers out there that, that maybe think they know better. Um, you know, it's not a typical corporate world, is it? You know, you get some, some pretty fearsome individuals that are like, well, this is how we do it. If you get them on board, it's easy. Um, but that's that's the that's the that's the magic, isn't it? That's the magic where you, that you can weave. And I think you're a person that can either do it or you can't. I think you've got that ability to really turn people's mindsets around and turn, you know, just the shift the paradigm as well. And if you can do that, um, I think it's a, it's a great skill to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, I think we're kind of up on a stop point here. I, I really appreciate you joining in and sharing all your views and insights. Um, tell tell people the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about your activities and programs. 
Yeah, very simple. My, my website, Doug, it's just uh, markashbyconsulting.com. That's Mark with a K. And my, my email address is just mark at markashbyconsulting.com. Um, I've got a, a pretty extensive website. I've got a, a free masterclass on my on my website that you can just uh, have a listen to. Gives give your uh, your listeners a, a, a bit of a, an idea of what I'm about and, and what and what I do. And um, if, they, if they'd like to get in touch, I, I, I'd love to help them. That's wonderful. <clears throat> well, again, Mark, I, I really appreciate you getting up early and joining us and uh, being a part of this program. Folks, if um, if you didn't catch that uh, link and all, it'll be in the show notes and uh, <clears throat> you can hop down on the episode and uh, see all that there. I do want to remind everybody that if you're listening on your favorite audio streaming, we do have a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Uh, please hop over there, subscribe to the channel, uh, leave us a comment, leave us some notes. We'd love to interact and engage with you. And one last time, Mark, thanks again for being a part of this. Really appreciate it. No, it's been a pleasure, Doug. Absolutely pleasure talking to you. Th uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. You bet. And uh, again, thank you for your service. Um, folks, we're going to uh, sign off now. Uh, wish you the best and thank you for listening in and being a part. Uh, we hope to see you again real soon. Take care. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.